welcome to Ladies Who London podcast. I'm Emily Dell. And I'm Alex Lacey and we are Qualified London Blue Badge Tourist Guides. Each week we bring to you some of the best bits of London. We talk about our favourite people, places and events with a bit of information, a lot of laughs and a whole lot of fun. We can be found on Instagram at Ladies Who London Podcast and on our website skydemily.com and alexlacey.com as well as our dedicated website ladieswholondon.com for more information about us and the pod and other stuff and things. There we go. I've still never quite nailed the ending of that. I still don't quite know how to finish it off. I mean, we could rewrite it. We I could. mean, maybe we once have, we've we've gone over the hundred 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 really. episode, we'll change it up a bit. I feel like I always need to end it with. We'll just put a little a little end to the jingle in there. <laughs> something like that. I don't know. Yeah, someone slips on a banana. Anyway, I am coming to you today um, on a very substandard microphone because I am not in my home. What? 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 I am in. Get this. The Premier Inn, just oh. outside Reading. Oh, Woohoo! My yeah. life is so glamorous. No, come on. We've just had a discussion about how we actually love the Premier Inn. Well, love actually. That's very true. Push. I do love. No, I love a Premier Inn because the beds are amazing. They are. The breakfast is really good. And this one, I mean, I don't want to, you know, go too. Gosh, this is amazing. There's a Nando's next door. Oh my god! I mean, I'm living the dream. Don't come back to London, babe. This is it. You've made. <laughs> yeah, okay. I know. I mean, it, what? I mean, what? A, what an amazing thing! So Nando's and a Premier Inn, right by the uh, the the DIY shop and the and the Benson's for beds. It's it's all glamour. It's all good oh going gosh. on around here. <laughs> is it Lenny Henry who does the Premier Inn adverts? Yeah, I think it is. Mm, it is. Mm, nice. Shout out to all our non-UK viewers who have no idea what Premier <laughs> Inn or Lenny Henry is. <laughs> So yeah, apologies if my uh, my mic is not um, quite as up to standard, um, but you know needs must. I'm out here with some clients for the week, doing Cotswoldy things. So there we go. Mm, love the Cotswolds. Yeah, what are you up to? So I'm currently sitting in my living room, surrounded by boxes because I'm moving. I am moving and a few, well, about a month ago now, I said to my partner, do you think that we should start putting things in boxes now? And he was like, no, I don't want to spend the last month in our house surrounded by boxes. And now we are literally rushing like a pair of bank robbers, just shoving everything in black bin bags as quick as we can because we're moving in two days. And you're not going far, are you? Not going far, just a couple of stops, a couple of stops up the road, so I'm yes. happy because you're going the same distance away from me, just the other side. Yeah, it's not far. Away, so. It's not far, it's not far at all. Um, so yes, realisation is Nick definitely has a tool obsession. I didn't know he had. <laughs> There's just so many kind of tools and little kind of things that plug into the wall around the room right now but gadgets um and gizmos. gadgets and gizmos but yes apart from that all good yeah well, well there we go well great. well happy moving on friday good luck Thanks, i hope it goes yeah. well yeah, well i'm looking you. forward to seeing you in your your next place new band yes so moving on um have you got any shout outs to do this week I do actually. So um, we've got a shout out to somebody who we've kind of spoke about before because this was somebody who actually won the Easter competition, the yeah. chocolate. If you remember, we gave away like I can't remember what it was. Was it a one kg? I think it something was like that. A massive chocolate <laughs> bunny rabbit from Lint. Um, yeah. So Ben Damerel 
who won this, he sent a little photo yeah, so this he's week. finally finished it, has he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think you did receive it, didn't you, Ben? I think you did. Um, so, <laughs> so he sent a little picture of a book all about Alice Diamond. So, of course, Ooh. a couple of weeks ago, you were talking about the 40 elephants. Yeah. And this inspired him to read more about Alice Diamond, who was one of the main oh. kind of gang leaders. Um and yeah, we were having a bit of a conversation. It turns out that his partner is actually a TV producer and produced oh, wow. Mr. Selfridge, Silent Witness and Harlots. Oh, my face. Uh, well, absolutely, which got us into talking about you. And then he said, actually, he didn't really kind of uh, kind of uh, get involved in Harlots too much because the night before he slipped over in his bathroom and broke his ankle. Oh, that'll do it. Um, <laughs> yeah, but... Yeah, and he works for Cartier, which I just thought was absolutely fabulous. Like, oh. what an absolute dream team. Well, you know, if you if you have any any uh, historical TV shows that you want me and Emily to front, we, we'd be open to that idea. Totally yeah. fine. Or, yeah. you know, if you want to give a couple of diamonds to our listeners, that's also that's absolutely fine. Also fine. <laughs> Remember, we did a one kg chocolate <laughs> egg bin, so... <laughs> share the love, share the love. Share the love. <laughs> Do you have any shout outs? I do want to just give a little uh, shout out to um, a lady who came on a tour with me the other week, Saskia Adam, um, who brought her lovely friend Katie over from France. And we had an amazing day around London doing it was one of those horrifyingly hot days. And we were doing um, uh, sort of Victorian London. So we started in the West and went Victorian Albert and up to Kensington Palace and all the way over into the city. And uh, it was it was a really lovely day. And she sent us or she brought us actually a bottle of wine from her local village in Belgium to celebrate um, our 100th episode. Now, we won't be in the same room for the 100th episode, but I am going for dinner at Emily's this week, Saskia, so I will take it with me and you can enjoy that. Gosh. Very excitingly. Thank you so much. thank you so much. Oh, when you said us, I didn't think you meant us, us, but you meant us, us. You are my us. You are my we. That's that's us. Wow. I have nobody else. It's you. (laughs) Oh, we're definitely opening that next week. Absolutely. So thank you so much, Saskia. We'll uh, we'll, we'll send you a photo. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you. There we go. So, um, moving on to this week's podcast. Now, before we get into this week, uh, Mm. we have to tie up the loose end of the podcast pedestal from last week, which was all about uh, the Battersea Power Station, which was really fun. And I really enjoyed uh, hearing all about it. Uh, What was your podcast pick? My pick had to be the chimneys. It was always going to be the chimneys. You know, they're such an iconic part of the structure. And especially knowing that members of the public are going to be able to shoot up in a Willy Wonka chocolate factory style lift, taking them right up to the top at some point. (laughs) So I'm very excited about that. Yes. So that was my pick. And you went for... Well, I went for the Pink Floyd pig, partly because I love the idea of it floating across London, but also whenever I talk about Battersea Power Station, that's my kind of in. I say to people, did you ever see the album cover? And people go, oh, yeah, yeah. And then you say the pink and they go, oh, the pig, the pig. And so it's all for me. It's like that's the kind of iconic bit of the Power Station um, for modern fans, I suppose. Yes. So it was pretty close. And it came down eventually to... 56 to 44%. Alex, I can't win again. No, you haven't. Don't worry. I've won. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was saying that like, I don't mind winning again, but oh my God. Because I was going to feel really bad for you. All well right. done. Wow. Oh, Pity is not well. fun, is it? <laughs> no, that's that's fantastic. Well done. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Yes, that yes. Was, uh, it was the pig came through. 
the pick came through. So do you know where we are now on the scores? Scores no on the doors? I have lost. I mean, it's so... We've been talking... We've talked quite a bit in the last few weeks about how busy it is. My brain is genuinely leaking out of my ears right now. I can barely oh. remember my own name, so I don't have any clue where we are. I mean, I'm probably losing, because let's face it, that's, you know... Well, you are losing. Actually, yeah. you're not as far back as, as I thought you were. So, uh, <laughs> so the current scores then, with your just now current win, um, is 13-12. All right, I'll take that. I'll take that. Yeah. We've still got time. And got talking time. of time, we've still got a couple of weeks for you to get in. We've got uh, quite a few people signed up now to come and do the live um, recording, which will be amazing fun uh, for the 100th episode, which is on the 15th of August. It's only a couple of weeks away. It's very exciting. So, um, so please, please, please do come and, uh, and join us for that. Um, we're very much looking forward to having you along with us. And it's just on Zoom, so you don't need to leave home. You can sit in your pants. Um, we'd like you wearing something on top if your video is on, but you know. Oh, why bother? Why bother? Well, it's the hundredth episode. Let it all fly free. Let it all <laughs> God fly free. Yeah, exactly what she said. There we go. So yeah, August fifteenth, seven o'clock to nine o'clock. Be yep. there or be very much square. Absolutely. All right. Well, this week we are going slightly goth guidey. We are oh, going. Yes. Except it's me, not you. Um, and I am, I feel like I'm going more goth than you've been of late, actually. Yeah. Um, I've done quite a lot of dark stuff. And this is kind of another, well, it's sort of dark, but it's also a bit silly as well. So I would like to tell you about the 19th century London garrotting panics. Oh, yes. I knew it was something that had a bit of a, bit of a strange word involved. Garrotting, now, this, yes. It's completely mad. So I want you to imagine that you are wandering around London it's getting a little dark. You're tootling around. You're in your lovely, you know, overcoat and your pockets are stuffed with cash. Mm. And all of a sudden comes up somebody behind you, wraps their arm around your neck and starts mm. squeezing the breath out of you. Mm. And at the moment that you start to faint, you start feeling somebody rummaging around in your pockets for all that lovely cash. And then a couple of minutes later, you wake up on the pavement. They're gone. So's your money. That's what we're talking about. A spate of crimes of people using garrotting as a tactic to rob people. Although not all is quite as it seems. So I want to take you back to the mid 19th century. It's the Victorian era. There is, you know, crime. Well, it's, it's, it's still pretty rife. You've got crime most places, particularly in places like the East End. Uh, but you also have the first police force that is being uh, brought in. And this does eventually lead to a bit of a decline in uh, crime. But of course, there's, there's, ton there's tons to be getting on with. Um, and there's actually um, a, a French visitor in 1866 who writes that crime is developing itself into a mania. London has ceased to be a city which one can traverse at night with mind at rest and the hands in the pockets. Crikey. So even though we do finally have this... Um, police force, the Metropolitan Police, you know, there's still a lot of crime around, particularly in the areas such as the East End or uh, the poor areas in the slums. There were places where so sometimes the police didn't even dare to go because they were so kind of lawless. Um, the Metropolitan Police was formed in 1839, but crime was, there was a lot of fear of crime. 
lots of robberies and murder and all kinds of this, uh, these sort of things. And, and there's also the media that plays into this. The media loves a good gruesome murder or a, a good robbery because it, it sells papers for them. And you've also got things like um, the Penny Dreadfuls, which is something I have got on my list for a future episode, um, which kind of talk about, you know, murders and crimes and all this sort of thing. So it's almost a bit like, you know, the way that we are with crime dramas today. Can't get enough of them. We're, you know, voraciously uh, watching them and we love all of that. It's the same kind of thing, but you don't have Netflix. So it's you get it from the papers, um, essentially. And Absolutely. so this garroting thing is where somebody strangles somebody else, either using their arm or sometimes maybe a, a bit of wire or, or possibly cloth or something. Um, and the aim is not necessarily to kill people, although some people were killed. Uh, but this seems to be a very barbaric way of um, robbing people. And it seems to kind of get under the skin of the Londoners. And, and in the 19, sorry, 1850s and 1860s, this fear of garroting reaches an absolute fever pitch. People go bonkers about this. Um, mugging is quite, quite usual. Um, often quite violent as well. People would use chloroform on a rag, which would knock your victim out. Um, there was another way of, of mugging, which was called bonneting, which basically you sort of, it's a bit like pantsing, but, bon but with a hat. You run up behind them, you, you pull the hat down over their face to distract them, and then you, you mug them while they're busy kind of sorting oh, themselves out. Bloody hell. What yeah, is it, bonneting? Bonneting, yeah. Bonneting. <laughs> it's quite entertaining, isn't it, really? Yeah, it's the, the more... Uh, yeah, the, the, I guess the more sort of acceptable version of pantsing. <laughs> so I guess um, people stopped wearing massive hats. Well, because... you would think, but of course, no, they didn't. Of course, of course they didn't. not. Um, also, you find lots of men are lured into dark alleyways by, you know, a, a lady of the night who is ready to sort of, you know, lure him in and, and give him oh, what you dear. might want. And then, of course, instead of her taking him down the, the alleyway, she takes him down there and there's a massive group oh, of very... And her brothers are Yeah, exactly. And they're going to, uh, you know beat them up and, and, and mug and everything. But the garroting is a new thing that comes out. And it's funny because it's not something that new, really. It's something that medieval or, or Tudor uh, gangs also did things like this. But for some reason, it just became a bit of a news story. And the newspapers started carrying ever more sensational uh, reports and, and stories about it. And sort of kept talking about terrifying new tactics and things like this. Um, the Punch magazine, which was a very famous magazine that was kind of satirical, but also kind of social commentary and that kind of thing, talked about it as well. Even Dickens um, is is sort of <laughs> drawn into it a bit. There's a, there's a thing in the press that says that garroting was very un-British. Oh, very un-British. Absolutely. Could you imagine a Brit garrotting? No. Very un-British. It's really quite funny because if you think about it, I mean, what they what they do in the newspapers, it actually almost becomes a little bit of a, um, almost like a slightly xenophobic thing because they they start saying, oh, that these people are not very gentlemanly. I mean, it, we talked about the highwaymen before mm. and there's a newspaper, The Observer, which says that it... it um, uh, it says the highwaymen are gentlemanly in comparison with the garrotta, who were they described as ruffians. And do you remember when we talked about Dick Turpin and we said there's this sort of view of him being a gentleman and being this slightly kind of sexy, you know, madam, do you oh. mind if I rob you of your of your things? I mean, this is part of the kind of this goes into that, really, that, that image of this uh, gentlemanly yeah. guy. 
So I guess, you know, he had a pistol and he was going to rough him up, but at least he asked first. <laughs> I guess. Although I'm not sure he did, but still. I no, think I can't think, imagine that he did. I just, I think they just, I don't know why they think it's so British to be a, a, a highwayman. And... I guess it's being, you know, you can't, if you're going to attack someone, at least face them in the eyes. Yeah, you know, stand and they're deliver. coming from the back. Stand and deliver. Exactly. You know, don't be yeah. a coward and go from behind. A Brit wouldn't do that. Exactly. A Brit is going to do terrible things, but he's going to look you in the eyes. And <laughs> he's going to look you in the eye, ask if you want to come around for a tea, and then poof. And then kill you. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, they, they start describing these uh, garotters as uh, degenerate, coarse, brutal ruffians and folk devils. And they sort of they, they tar them as this criminal class that is beyond help and just the worst of everything. And it, it, they almost sort of say that if you're going to take a pistol and go and stand and... And, and, and stop a, somebody in a carriage and take their money that way. It's much more noble than going up behind someone and strangling them. It's really quite bizarre. So this this, wow, this... this myth of the sort of dashing highwayman really start, you know, continues and, and gets bigger and bigger. Um, but also they, they start saying that it's somehow un-British because it's got a foreign influence as well. There's all sorts of um, press reports that come out and they're pretty, they, you know... <laughs> Funnily enough, uh, they stoke the flames of things like this. So they start talking about areas of London that are less safe than places in Europe. For example, one um, newspaper says the Bayswater Road is now as unsafe as Naples. And again, Dickens is drawn into this. He wrote writes in an essay uh, that the streets of London were as dangerous as the lonely, lonely mountains of Abruzzo. So all of this by by just sort of you've got nothing to base this on mm. but they're by putting it on that everyone's going oh yeah this is foreign this is rural and they also try and and create comparisons all of these different newspapers sort of fight with each other to create the best comparison um some equate them to french revolutionaries mm. some equate them to a group of um indian people called thuggies and thuggies were members of a professional criminal cult in india and what they did as as criminals, their sort of way of operating really was strangulation and was garroting in order to rob them. It's actually mm-hmm. where we get the word thug from, this this this, uh, this cult called the thuggies. And so all of these newspapers start going, oh, it's like Italy, it's like India, it's like France. You know, they're not taking any credit. That's terrible. Yeah, I mean, that thing? is very much the Brit way, isn't it? Just yeah. to kind of pass the buck and be like, you know, all these terrible things that are happening here. But it's not our fault. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I mean, we're seeing that bit at the moment, aren't we? Don't go into politics. But, you know, there's that same thing of, well, it's not us to blame. Yeah. But so the way that this thing would often work is garroting gangs would work in groups of usually only about three people. Because, of course, you don't want a massive big gang. You're going to draw attention to yourself. What would happen is you would have a front stall and a back stall. And then the person who is the actual garrotter. Mm. Um, who was known as, and this is brilliant, the nasty man. The nasty man. <laughs> the nasty man. Yeah. Sounds like someone who's going to DJ on a Saturday night. Nasty man. It like, does. sounds quite meek and mild, actually. <laughs> I know, it's um, a bit sort of, oh, oh, he's a, oh, he's a nasty man. Oh, he's a nasty man, that one. <laughs> oh, he nearly tried nasty. to touch my neckerchief. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of that thing, isn't it? Of, uh, uh, you know, that British thing of being a little bit understated. You know, rather than, oh, he's a terrible... Garotter and murder. Oh, he's 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 a very naughty boy. Yeah, you know that guy over there. He's the nasty man. He's not. Is he? Yeah, it's the really nasty man. Nasty one. 
So these stalls, what you have, and, and the word, you know, stall, it's, it's just to stall somebody. So the back mm. stall is usually a, a lookout. The front stall, um, often, could, well, often could be a woman. And the front stall would be the sort of person who got your attention and, uh, you know, sort of took your attention off whatever it was you were doing. Mm. Well, then the garotta would come up behind and would then put their arm or a rope or cloth or whatever it might be around your neck. And then once you've sort of been rendered kind of, you know, unconscious or insensible at the very least, that's mm. when they're going to go through your pockets um, and take whatever whatever it is they want. Um, and occasionally things don't, did go too far and they would put too much pressure on and crush the windpipe and kill people. But oh, usually... they didn't always kill them. Oh, no, 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 no. No, absolutely not. No. Oh. Um, partly because, the you know, the, the sentence for murder is going to be a lot greater than the sentence for robbery. Oh, um, but the aim is not to murder somebody, it's to rob them. Yeah. So you're trying not to, but, uh, you know, with all these things, you're trying to crush somebody's windpipe. Occasionally you overcrush. Uh, yeah. Oh, quick. Yeah. Everybody run. Yeah. I know, right? <laughs> Faster than we usually do, please. Come on, front stool. Keep exactly. up now. <laughs> and so these newspapers start filling with all of these, these stories about it. And there's a theory as well about where this practice of garroting has come from. And, and there's a theory that so the first time we sort of, hear about the garroting in newspapers is in about 1850 1851 mm. and the theory is that on board convict ships what guards would often do they would use sort of choke holds to knock out a criminal a prisoner who's maybe being a bit aggressive or just you know to punish them or whatever it might be um and it would be pretty rough and ready but they knew how to get the job done um hopefully without killing them or or without you know injuring them in any way that might actually uh, affect them later on and it's thought that this was picked up by criminals who were either on these boats um on these convict ships or had been or, or heard about it and then started to use this as a method in their sort of day-to-day uh toings and throwing so yeah that's where we think it might have come from but realistically we don't know and like i say you know it was being used in the medieval and tudor time as well occasionally too and the newspapers faced with all of this and all of this kind of crazy stuff going on all these stories one of them from a particular magazine decides i need to know what this is like firsthand how do you imagine he's going to do that oh gosh he's going to get somebody to garrot him yeah he absolutely is he goes <gasps> but then doesn't this isn't this like um you know it's a bit of a fetish isn't it for some people <laughs> am i allowed to say this on ladies in london i get well you have now so yeah <laughs> But is this the time, maybe, that, you know, people are talking about this garrotting? I don't know. I'm going, I'm... You're going off down one of your flights of fancy, aren't you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's enough said about that, the better. Um, Sorry. <laughs> you, you keep your personal life out of it, Emily Dell. Um, <laughs> so this guy thinks, actually, I'm going to go and, and try this out. And he decides he's going to go to the prison uh, where a couple of garrotters had been imprisoned. And he went and went, he went to them and said you know garrot me <laughs> come on exactly, come on baby exactly what you said. <laughs> come on baby give me your best shot garrot me warm your hands first mind <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll show you on the bear where you can touch me um no, he, uh, <laughs> he, uh, he decides that what he wants to do if he can if he's going to write about it properly he's got to go and find out what they do so his description this is his description here the third ruffian coming swiftly up, flings his right arm around the victim, striking him smartly on the forehead. Instinctively, he throws his head back and in that movement loses every chance of escape. 
His throat is fully offered to his assailant, who instantly embraces it. Sounds very lovely, doesn't it? It does, doesn't um, it? With his left arm, the bone just above the wrist being pressed against the apple of the throat. Oh. So that's how they do it. And then once you're, you know, unconscious or whatever, that's when they make it a very quick getaway and, you know, get, get into your pockets and, and hot-footed out of there. Some people used, like I say, um, a rope or cloth or possibly even a stick, you know, a walking stick. Mm. Something like that could also uh, could also be used. So are you going to pass out? Probably. Or would you fall to the ground and, you know, just be taken back by shock, I guess, for a bit? Probably. They're going to try and get you to pass out. Mm. Um, at which point they can then put you on the floor and go through your pockets. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the plan. Oh, um, God, how nice. I know. Now, here's the weird thing about this. There wasn't actually much garroting that went on. Oh. And this is where it goes very bizarre. There were two sort of big periods when the the garrotting panic got very big one in 1856 and one in 1862 Mm. and what's really funny about it is that actually there was very little of that going on but what the papers did is sensationalized it they realized that they were selling loads of papers Mm. um they it it made great stories and the more het up people got about it the more they Mm. were going to buy the papers to see what was going on what's the latest in this whole thing and there were some people there was one paper called the daily news started talking about a social panic um and exaggerated and fictitious stories as well they even said that it it said it was almost a bit like a pantomime in that it really appealed to that british thing of of weird jokes and and all this kind of thing and what it became is something that then the kids you were know, reading about it. And then, of course, they started like play acting at it in the streets mm. as well. There were songs that were written about it. <gasps> um, and it, I mean, genuinely it became really quite a panic, even though it was actually a very rare crime. There were, as I mentioned, there were some people who, who did come a cropper. There was a jeweler who um, was garroted by a lady that he, he said, well, somebody said, he was with him, looked like a respectable looking female. So she was probably the, um, the front stall. Uh, the front stall. Um, and his throat was crushed so badly that he, he died of his injuries just after that. Oh, but in 1862, the second big panic really went to, to a head after um, an MP, a member of parliament uh, called um, Pilkington, was attacked and robbed in broad daylight near parliament. And he was garroted he survived you know absolutely fine but what it then meant is the minute that it came to the door of the houses of parliament parliament suddenly started getting worried about it and there was another chap a guy who was um uh, involved he was an antique seller he was in his 80s he also was garroted again survived and that was fairly close to the garrotting, as I understand it, of the um, the MP as well. So people suddenly went, oh, my goodness. And, and this chap, this um, antique seller, was a very popular guy. So, you know, again, lots and lots of, of um, you know, talk about it. Mm. And there was even, um, uh, you know, sort of myths started going that garrotters were around every corner. Punch magazine started putting up loads and loads of cartoons, including... I mean, slightly funny, but slightly weird, ingenious ways that people could avoid being garroted. So there's one uh, cartoon that Punch put out, which is a man in his suit, but using the crinoline of his wife to keep people far enough away from him. Because, of course, those huge crinoline skirts were enormous. It's big circular. And the Punch one has it made into a, you know, 
comically large one. Do you remember yeah. at the start of the pandemic? Um, there was a guy who went a bit viral at the very start for I think he was wearing like a massive ring around him like a big I was just thinking yeah, yeah the two meters was, away thing exactly it was a bit like that yeah um so that was one thing and I don't think I think that was a silly one that wasn't a real one but there was an anti-garotting cravat that was made um and people also did start to kind of create neckwear that I was gonna say was yeah. sturdy enough that would withstand you know, if somebody came and garroted you, that it would give protection to your throat. Oh, and it sort of went wow. up and like stand up collars and things like that. Oh, now, they didn't really take off. None of them took off. No. <laughs> but, I mean, it doesn't really go with what I'm wearing. No, really. But, you know, but it, it, it was so much so that people, and you know, Victorians are great at, at creating all kinds of crazy stuff and, and you know, over engineering things. And this yeah. was another one. And they all started creating things that, that uh, worked. There was, you know, the, the Met Police, um, wasn't brilliant at counteracting this big crisis. They didn't really arrest that many people for it, but they also didn't really kind of wade in to make the public feel any more secure or safe. Mm. So there was a poem, which I think was sometimes sung as well, uh, about the Met Police, and they, you know, they were criticised very heavily. And it said, I won't trust to laws or police, not I, for their protection is all my eye. In my own hands, I take the law and use my own fists to guard my jaw. Ooh, I, know. I like that. Wow. Now, when the this MP, Pilkington, gets is garroted, this is when Parliament goes, OK, one of ours has been done. We need to sort it out. And so they brought in the Garrotters Act in 1863. No, an yes. actual act. An actual act. And what it did is if you, it wasn't exclusively for garroting, but that was the whole point is it was called the Garrotters Act and it was to make people feel better, but it was robbery with violence, basically. Mm. And it brought back flogging. And if you mm. were arrested and com convicted of robbery through violence, you mm. could have up to 50 lashes, which is a lot. Wow. Yeah. Even in the 1860s? Yeah, even in the 1860s. Wow. How long, do you know how long the act went on for or is it still viable i mean maybe it is maybe it is, maybe it is. <laughs> um i actually don't know um there was a lot of um a lot of people were actually against the, the these toughening up of of punishments for uh people because they thought it, it was going again you know back against everything that had sort of been ruled out and you know lashes are pretty hideous stuff i mean even five or ten is going to rip you back to ribbons let alone 50 it's going to be pretty mm. awful mm. um and those, but because of this whole, uh, this panic that that went on, the consequences of that, even though it was this tiny little stone thrown mm. into the, the, the lake, the ripples were enormous. Mm. And there were people who had called for prison reform and for prisoners to be rehabilitated and brought back into society. And because um, Punch Magazine and loads of the press were talking about all this, these people who were campaigning for it, they were really affected by it. And people said, why are you campaigning for this? Uh, you know, clearly there are terrible people around us who are doing awful things. And the police were so badly criticised for not doing enough that in the later part of the 1860s, a quarter of the Met police were dismissed. They were fired. <gasps> yeah. Whoa. Yeah. God, as you say, with the idea of the ripple effects, it's unbelievable how much people were affected with just 
it being in the press. Yeah, You absolutely. know, the information just circulating via the newspapers or what people were reading and not, not necessarily seeing. Yeah. And the the act when it was brought in um we did see after that the uh, quite a, an increase in corporal punishments and death mm. sentences being meted out um but and it's particularly in sort of areas that were a bit lawless and a bit dangerous and not just in london but other places as well so it was almost used it was a tightening of the rules and a tightening of the punishments which came from this mostly fabricated rise in garroting and then brought back quite a lot of punishments for people and it, like I say it was a panic it was and so it was called a sort of moral panic and a social panic and it got to the point where even men walking around wearing scarves was sometimes uh, people would say oh he, he, he could be a garrotter and he'd be sort of arrested and questioned and stuff like that um, yeah so it's quite a, it's got quite a quite a, an impact really yeah yeah massive impact yeah the garrotters the garotters. Yeah. Amazing, isn't mm. it? <laughs> hell. You've definitely turned into the goth guide, Alex. I have. I have. Yeah. I've gone from sexy Two weeks guide ago. to, to yeah. goth guide. Yeah. Two weeks ago, it was the uh, 40 Elephant Gang. Yeah. Who was doing all sorts of mischief and putting things in their pocket. And now we're talking yep. about the garotters. Wow. Goodness me. Yeah. Wow. Well, <laughs> thank you very much. My pleasure. <laughs> Sleep well, everybody. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Watch, um, watch who's behind you. And I've just had a look. The enactments of the garroting law were repealed um, in 1991. Seriously? Yes. But again, I think it's one Over of those weird laws that sits there and goes, and nobody and then, really takes a notice of it. Yeah, it's not we've got it. a bit of time to review the old acts. Yeah, like, you oh know, some gosh, of the weird ones. What we've got go, oh, actually, we should maybe yeah, probably should take that, that Yeah, take that out. But there we oh, go. Wow, there That's we go. The garrotting, the garrotting panics of the 19th century. The garrotting panics of the 19th <laughs> century. Well, who'd have thought? Podcast pedestal. Well, what are you going to go for? What am I going to go for? I don't know. I've struggled with this one a little bit. Um, but I think I might go for the Member of Parliament being garroted. Because that feels like the point at which... Parliament sort of goes, okay, now it's affecting not just the scum of London, but the, the poshos. <laughs> Hang so, on uh, a minute, it's at, the door. <laughs> it's at the door. We have to do that now. So, um, yeah, I think that, I think I'm going to go for, for the MP Pilkington being uh, being garroted, because that's a real change point in the whole uh, in the whole thing. That is a good one. What are you going for? Um, oh, I think I'm going to have to go for, although not many probably wore it, I think <laughs> the necklace, yeah. yeah, the the necklace or the clothing, the attire that the prevented the gar- the cravat, yeah, the garrotting preventer, anti anti garrotting anti garrotting cravat. I was tempted by that. I mean, it is a good one, isn't it? Yeah, I think and because you know bonkers. somebody's actually there designing something and then making something and then it's being talked about and printed. Then wow, you know this—the fear factor must have really been I mean, there. Yeah, it was huge, huge. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm going to have to go for that. Amazing. <laughs> Yay. Wow. Well, that's it, team, uh, for for the your choices for this week. So you've got the uh, the anti gro. I can't even say anti garroting cravat. Anti garroting. I think you might win this one. To be fair, I, I was a bit. I sort of decided on the MP, but I think I'm being a bit no, serious the MP about is it. A good one. And the MP um, being garroted because that's, that's the point at which they uh, 
they go, right, come on, lads, hands to the wheel, let's do something about it. Mm. The Wheel of Destiny. That was a big go. yawn, Emily. <laughs> so, sorry. Again, we're, we're recording this around my bedtime. <laughs> 7.30. Yeah, <sorry. laughs> no, it's 5 to, five to 10. That's very good. It's, it's very true. Oh, dear. Right, well, all we have left to do this week is to spin the wheel. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, this is literally the last thing that I've been packing as well. It's been I was going to say, you're going to have to get this out for packing <laughs> first. I've got to put it in the box soon. Right, off we go. Good old faithful Westminster. Oh, many options there. Many options there, but I have to say something has been on the list for quite some time okay. and I probably should go to it because it's this was a request that was made quite a while back so I'm going to talk about the woman the queen of the oh. Iceni tribe who oh. burnt Londonium to the ground Boudicca Boudicca although when I was a kid we used to say at Bodicea that's how I was yes. taught Did you, well actually a couple of weeks ago I was uh, on a tour taking a couple of people around Westminster and this American woman I'm going to do her accent and I'm not offending anybody I'm, I hope <laughs> but, um, but she goes um, Emily are we going to see Bodacious and I was like Bodacious I don't know but she sounds amazing I hope so who is she she's like you know Bodacious didn't she like get really angry and burn London and I was like oh Boudicca I like Bodacious <laughs> Bodacious Bodicea yeah and then we saw a statue of her and I was like there's Bodacious <laughs> so yes yeah, so I'm going to talk about Boudicca 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 she's brilliant yeah yeah wicked I'm looking forward to that cool wonderful yeah. well that's it for this week thank you all for putting up with my uh, not as good audio and with the boxes behind Emily which you can't see but I can <laughs> <laughs> yeah thanks for putting up with that yeah. um, um, don't and forget to go and sign up for our, our live one please come and join us only a couple of weeks away yay and um, we will see you all next week for a bit of bodacious bodacious have a beautiful week everyone bye bye, bye.